Good morning, and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. On June 27th, 2017, just before the celebration of Canada 150, the New York Times published an article by Amanda Taub entitled, Canada's Secret to Resisting the West Populist Wave. Amanda wrote, As right-wing populism has roiled elections and upended politics across the West, there is one country where populists have largely failed to break through, Canada. The raw ingredients are present, she wrote, a white ethnic majority that's losing its demographic dominance, a sharp rise in immigration that is changing culture and communities, Yet, she continues, Canada's politics remains stable. Its centrist liberal establishment is popular. Not only have the politics of white backlash failed, but immigration and racial diversity are sources of national pride. And when occasionally anti-establishment outsiders have run the populist playbook so common in the United States and Europe, They have found defeat. It is clear to me that in other Western countries, right-wing populism has emerged as a politics of us versus them. It pits members of white majorities against immigrants and minorities, driven by a sense that that cohesive national identities are under threat. In France, for example, it is common to hear that immigration dilutes French identity and that allowing minority groups to keep their own cultures erodes vital elements of Frenchness. It's my thought that identity works differently in Canada. Both whites and non-whites see Canadian identity as something not only that can accommodate outsiders, but is enhanced by the inclusion of many different people. Amanda Taub wrote, and I quote, Canada is a mosaic rather than a melting pot, a place that celebrates different backgrounds rather than demanding assimilation. To chat with me this morning about Amanda's article and the notion of diversity and inclusion, I've invited a guest. I've invited Jacqueline Lawrence who is the Diversity and Equity Coordinator for the Ottawa-Carleton District School Board. She is former Policy Advisor on Diversity Management at Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation, CMHC. Prior to her work at CMHC, Jacqueline was a consultant specializing in labor market research, communications, and diversity strategies for clients in the public, private, and not-profit sectors. In addition, she was a parliamentary assistant speechwriter and executive director of the National Women's Reference Group on Labor Market Issues and executive director of the Multicultural Women's Association. Her passions include traveling, being a facilitator with the International Black Summit, and serving as a co-host and producer of Black on Black, 
a community affairs program that aired every Sunday morning on CHUO. As a published author, her work has featured in Jubilation, an anthology celebrating Jamaica's 50th anniversary. The international bestseller Pebbles in the Pond, Wave 3, Transforming the World One Person at a Time, and most recently, the anthology Resilience and Triumph, Immigrant Women Tell Their Stories, which captured the first-person stories of 54 racialized immigrant and refugee women across Canada. It's my pleasure to welcome Jacqueline Lawrence to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. Good morning, Jackie, and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, As the listeners have heard, I've introduced our conversation this morning by quoting from a New York Times article about the unique nature of diversity and inclusion in Canada. And so let's begin our conversation by you sharing with me some of your thoughts about diversity and inclusion in this wonderful country we call Canada. Well, um, I'm so delighted to have this conversation with you. Um, You know, diversity can be seen as just any aspect of ourselves or any dimension of ourselves that's different. Um, So that can include race, culture, class, (laughs) religion, um, you know, sexual orientation, socioeconomic dynamics. So it's any aspect of ourselves in which we're different. And I would also even go so further to say as go further to say that it may also include different ways of thinking and being that's informed by all of those identities that I just shared. Um, What do you mean by that? Well, you know, one of the interesting things about diversity, there's the, there are kind of two streams around. There's the theoretical sense of diversity, which is this definition, but then there's also the experience of it. And so um, sometimes our experiences are shaped um, by the experiences that we have. And that's why one of the key components of diversity is also looking at what are some of the um, inequities or discriminatory practices that may impact um, one being able to bring all aspects of oneself into a space such as work or school to be able to, um, you know, have access to all the opportunities that are available within that space. And I think this is where Canada has certainly... Um, been one of the leaders in terms of ensuring that their legislations from human rights legislations to the Multiculturalism Act or the Employment Equity Act to most recently in Ontario the um, the, the, um, Anti-Discrimination Act. So, I mean, there are so many different ways that Canada has um, not only started the um, laid the foundation, if you will, to be able to um, not only identify um, potential barriers, but also create opportunities to celebrate the full diversity of who we are as human beings. So um, you've nicely identified the um, legal um, um, Enactments by both Canada and uh, the Ontario government that have lowered the barriers. Um, do you think that in the, your experience of Ontario society that the non-legal barriers have begun to fall for um, 
the varieties of diversity that you've described? Well, I think I think each of those legal foundations have certainly given us um, a place to start, and by no way I think does it mean that there is that all of those spaces have been eliminated in terms of inequities. However, I do think that by having those foundational pieces, we are given um, guideposts and, and and guidelines to be able to. Um, fully respect and value the, the diversity that's within our province and within our country. So, um, as I shared with our listeners, your responsibilities today uh, revolve around diversity and inclusion at the Ottawa-Carlton District School Board. And I'm wondering if you could share with them um, the kind of thinking and programming that has made the Ottawa-Carleton District School Board one of the leaders of inc- in inclusion? Well, you know, <laughs> this is one of those areas that I think is evolving. And, um, and it may not yet our- be where it wants to go. Pardon me? And may not yet have arrived at where it hopes to be. Right, exactly. But I think it's evolving because the dynamics keep shifting and changing. And as you as you learn more, you, you grow more and you expand. And in fact, um, when you look at the definition of inclusion, um, Professor George Day um, has this definition where he says inclusion is not bringing people into what already exists. It is making a space, a better space for everyone. And so when you look at inclusion, it really is about um, creating a climate where diversity is valued. And it's really about um, creating an inclusive environment so that each person is recognized and developed and um, their talents are routinely tapped into. And it really is about creating an equitable space for all. And one of the things that we've done at the Ottawa Carleton District School Board in our um, 2015-2019 strategic plan, equity was identified as one of the key pillars for us to be able to um, carry out our work. And within this um, pillar, um, it's really a commitment to create a culture that continually balances equity of opportunity and access for all. And we are committed that by 2019, the district will reduce barriers to learning to improve equity of access and, and opportunity for all our students. You um, know that um, our audience this morning is listening to uh, CHRI um, and that it is primarily, though not exclusively, a a religious audience and that this is a um, religious radio uh, station and network. So I want to kind of move from that general notion of inclusivity and diversity to the more specific um, notion of religious inclusion and diversity, um, which for many people seems to be um, left to the side um, behind issues of gender, race, uh, sexual orientation. Um, Do you find that in uh, 2017, um, religious diversity is um, still um, a major concern, and I guess we should include with that inclusion um, in the school district and perhaps your own thoughts about it in society as well. 
Well, I think, you know, our, our schools tend to reflect what's going on in society, I think. Um, and I, you know, the edu- one of the questions I'm often asked, let me begin there, is why do we, um, for example, um, ensure religious accommodation for um, our staff and our students within a public board? And we're often um, not aware that the Education Act enables us to provide that accommodation. Not only that, in 2009, the ministry, when it came out with its um, equity and inclusive education strategy, um, ensured that religious accommodation was one of, the, one of the eight focus areas that school boards across the province would, be, um, would ensure that there are guidelines to provide um, that opportunity for our staff and our students. So this enables, for example, our staff and our students to, um, you know, to have absences from work or school for some of those major um, faith or days of significance. Um, And this is really important because one of the things that um, we're very mindful of is that you, we bring ourselves to our learning and working spaces, including our faith. And we, for example, in 2010 and 2011, when we did our workforce census and student um, survey respectively, we included questions about religion and faith because we wanted to know what, who our what our demographics was. And it was really interesting to us that our survey respondents, 70% of our students and 74% of our workforce um, identified that they had a religious or spiritual affiliation. That's a high number. I think that is one of the surprises that came out of that for us in terms of, um, and, you know, very much respecting that... um, both staff and students are, we create a space for inclusion, including that. Um, we're very mindful that, you know, 30% of our staff and students do not. So, but at the same time, recognizing that there is a significant percentage of um, those within our learning and working environments to who do have a spiritual or religious affiliation. So I would say that, um, Having recognized that with our policies, we do have a religious accommodation policy, um, and we're in the process of finalizing finalizing a religious accommodation procedures to support our system um, leaders in terms of how they um, accommodate. um, So you accommodate religious differences by allowing each uh, particular faith path to um, select certain days that are important to them um, from their faith community's perspective and provide um, for staff certainly um, paid absences. Um, Perhaps the most well-known accommodation that the school board has made is the um, prayer room for uh, practitioners of Islam on Friday. are there other such specific accommodations made for other religious groups? Um, because um, while the Friday prayer room has gotten the most publicity, 
both positive and negative. Um, I'm wondering if other religious um, groups, we'll call them, or other faith perspectives have asked for that kind of accommodation within the school board setting. Well, I think it's very interesting. Uh, you're right. It, it, the the accommodation for Muslim students and staff certainly get the most attention. But in fact, in most of our um, administrative and um, and and learning spaces, schools, the spaces that are provided are very much provided for anyone of any faith. So there is a room that's designated that any staff member, any student. Um, is able to go to that space if they need a quiet moment, if they need to pray, if they need to have a reflection, have reflections. So it is actually a more of a generic space. Um, but I think this is one of those things that is often um, seen as the request is more from our students who are from, um, or, or staff members who are Muslims. And so I guess following up on that, Jackie, if there were... Um, members of any other faith community, the Christian, Jewish, uh, Buddhist, uh, Aboriginal tradition, Mm -hmm. um, who wish to have a space for a um, formalized worship, um, the school board would be accommodating. Well, it's a question of the spaces there, and anyone who wishes to use it can definitely um, make that request to be able to honor their faith and to, whether it's for prayers or for reflection. So the school board doesn't put an impediment in anybody's way, but um, provides the opportunity if people want to take advantage of it. Absolutely. And so for our listeners, um, we should put that into perspective that Muslim students and teachers have uh, availed themselves of that opportunity, and it would be up to other faith perspectives to think that it would be important enough for them to do so. Absolutely. Uh, And the challenge would be that... um, for Jewish students, Saturday is the primary day of Shabbat, and for Christians, it's on Sunday, which are not school days in the main. And so for Muslims, where Friday is the main day of the Sabbath, as understood in Islamic tradition, uh, that is a school day. Yes. Well, and I think this is why the the uh, religious accommodation are flexible, and we provide it on an individual case-by-case basis. So even, for example, not all our Muslim students and not all our Muslim staff members make that request, and we also have requests from um, some members who do not have uh, a denomination, per se, or a religious affiliation who use the spaces that we do have. And it's, again, based on individual requests. And in terms of, um, you know, the the requests are are given on a case by case basis based on on the specific timeline. So, for example, um, the Sabbath, for example, falling on the weekend days, for example, for other faiths, that is a very different conversation. Then, so therefore, the accommodation would be based on need, and um, the. Um, the the space that is provided um, would certainly keep that in mind. And, and that's why, for example, you have those other religious or faith days or holy days or, or faith um, days of significance that would then work for other persons. So, for example, someone of Jewish faith, um, you know, can request to have Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur or, 
you know, Passover. So there are other ways that the, the accommodation can be made. Great. I want to um, switch gears and kind of put you on the spot because um, (laughs) you've been uh, wonderfully forthcoming about all the policies of the school. But um, I began the show by um, alluding to this article in the New York Times, doing more than alluding to it, um, reading a bit of it. Um, And we um, live uh, north of the great, um, how shall we define them, larger neighbor um, which sometimes overshadows us. And many of the listeners, uh, I'm sure, um, can constantly hear um, on the media about the American notion of separation of church and state. And um, many kinds of dynamics um, have been publicized about um, keeping religion out of the school. I'm wondering if you could uh, chat for a bit about how um, the Ottawa District, uh, Ottawa Carleton District School Board um, teaches religion in the school. I know that's not perhaps your primary responsibility at this point in your career, but it is part of the notion of inclusion. Um, how is it taught and how is it honored um, through um, it teaching in the school board? Well, um, as I started, as I said earlier, you know, religion is a part of, you know, daily life for many folks. And so um, for many, many years, um, we have had, for example, courses around world religion. Um, and this has, you know, it's an elective, I can't remember the grade, if it's grade 11 or grade 12, but it certainly gives students an opportunity to, to learn about um, diverse um, faiths. Um, the other way that we have certainly um, shared or learn about and learn with <laughs> about various faiths in you know in various environments, for example, um, you know we for example provide um, a a faith-based calendar for our staff and students so that they are able to um, determine some key dates, for example. So whenever possible, we do not, you know, as, as best as we can, we do not set certain meetings or certain exams on specific, you know, major holy days or days of significance. Sometimes it's unavoidable, but for the most part, we do try our best not to do that. Um, there are individual schools or you go through different classrooms and, you know, kids are teaching each other about their, you know, the practices that they have at specific times. And I think one of the times that it kind of gets on uh, maybe more populous than other times is, for, for example, in the month of December, when there's so many faith groups have, you know, days of significance or holy days around that time. And so there's a, an exchange that occurs in that space. Um, you know, depending on the individual classes. Um, And one of the other ways that we have done it is um, we have an event that's called a date with diversity. And this offers, we we provide an opportunity for staff, community, students to um, learn about and to ask any question, any burning question that they've ever had about a particular dimension of diversity, including faith. And we have had representatives from 
um, you know, Aboriginal spirituality, Christianity, Hinduism, <laughs> um, Muslim, um, Jewish. So we've had quite a diversity of faiths represented. And I think the other way that we have also done it is um, through a program that you're very familiar with through our spiritual care workers in our high school environment in terms of just having um, representatives from, from different faiths in our schools um, being able to interact with students and staff to to be there as a listening and as a voice. Sure. That, that's certainly a program that I'm not only aware of, um, but for our listeners, um, for, the, for over two decades, the mm-hmm. Ottawa Carleton District School Board and its predecessor, the Carleton School Board, had a unique program in which um, clergy and people of faith were invited to be um, spiritual care workers as volunteers in their high schools, which allowed uh, faculty, staff, and students to have access to um, people of identified faith perspectives who were not there for um, um, proselytizing, but simply to respond to the spiritual needs of students. Um, Certainly a difference that could never exist um, south of the border in the United States. Um, Do you think, Jackie, from your vantage point at uh, Greenback, Greenback, Greenbank uh, Road and the um, um, seat of the Ottawa Carleton School Board, that um, religion is something that's um, left too much to the students and their parents and that the school board should be more assertive in um, presenting religion as a viable alternative uh, path. I guess I'm thinking that we offer lots of support for um, individuals who um, want to pursue certain sexual orientations and we support them being um, public about their orientations and support their needs. And we certainly do that with gender equity And we're certainly working on that with Aboriginal um, heritage. Um, I'm wondering if you think that religion and faith perspective has an equal play amongst the school population, or is it somewhat marginalized? Well, I think I I think I will go to kind of the Canadian um, response to that, (laughs) which is. I think for many Canadians, religion has often been seen as a private affair. And particularly within a public board, um, there are many persons who believe that that is something that we, you know, we do at home, but we don't necessarily do in a public space. Except, you know, on, on, the, on, your, on the day of, of one Sabbath. So I think there is something about the Canadian... Um, way of embracing religion, if you will, or one's faith. And I would actually say that, sadly, I would say that for many people that I have seen in in the work environment, um, you know, 9-11 was um, the period that many people started to acknowledge their faith in different ways. So I think when you have world events such as that, um, it kind of jolts people into another space. Um, and 
the opportunity is certainly there, as I said, in terms of our the spaces that we provide. It's not only for one group, for one faith group. The spaces we provide are certainly there to, um, to, you know, for one to, um, to reflect or to take that moment to acknowledge. Um, whatever practice, spiritual practice that's there for them. Um, with res- and I think in terms of, as I said, the electives that we offer in terms of world religion, those are just some of the ways that we've been able to continue that conversation. But I think that when the communities certainly... So I'm getting the cue from my producer that we mm-hmm. have to wrap it up. Um, this conversation could go on forever. We could spend all day on it. I know. Um, I want to thank Jacqueline Lawrence, Diversity and Equi- Equity Coordinator for the Ottawa Carlton District School Board, for being my guest this morning um, and thanking her for introducing us to a very complex topic about diversity and equity and inclusion. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten, wishing you a good day. Shalom. Shalom, 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 Shalom,